0: You'll find me heading up the social media while drinking a can of beer. And I'm Jess. I'm the witchy spister who can be found behind the scenes crafting. And we are the Spinsters of Horror. We
1: have a monthly horror podcast called I
0: Spin On Your Podcast. Which is semi-academic with a dash of
1: feminism and we aren't afraid to tackle tough subject matter or just have a little fun. You can find us on our website at www.spinstersofhorror.com. Follow us on Twitter at Horrorspinsters. You can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. And remember, the future of fear is female.
0: You are here all right oh my goodness let's see what a clusterfuck this is gonna be
1: dude right
0: all righty how are you doing today i'm good is that you that's me okay what do you mean what was me? the popping and buzzing the music uh there is music in the background right
1: Little uh, piano music. yeah i don't think that's me
0: give me a second i think that's me i put that is uh, me i am so sorry that's all right. I had a little music here, too. I was like, what is going on? A little soft piano music. Yes. They have nothing really spooky here at this point. so Yeah. Oh, boy. This is going to be a glorious mess. Let's see. Right. All right. Well, for our listener who's in right now, hello, Running With The Woods. Um, we are the Pod and the Pendulum and we are going to do part two of our mailbag we got through eight questions last week and we have another eight to get through here so we are going to do our damnedest to see if we can actually do a live show and this is maybe as a test run i think we should maybe do this a little bit more often right now so let's see how this goes
1: jerry how are you doing tonight I'm doing pretty good. It's not. It's yeah. not uh, that bad of a day. I did read something online that, and I'm not trying to be all like fear mongering, but I did read Ooh. something online that this next week is set to be the Pearl Harbor of this whole thing.
0: Yeah, that's a weird. So, yeah. So there's that, but well, except, except Pearl Harbor was like a sneak attack. Exactly. You know, like, I, we, I don't we think know this virus coming. is like sneaking up on anybody at this point. Mm. So we are a country
1: run by morons right now. Is really the best do way to put it. Do you guys have the? Uh, do you guys have the thing going on in your state where they're they're advising people to wear masks, or is that everywhere yes. right now? Yep,
0: that's pretty much everywhere at this point. Um, so we're advised to do that, or like do the cloth scarf type yeah. of deal, which I you know went for a hike today and forgot to do it um i took the dog for a long walk on a trail and forgot to do it um and it was like a decent amount of people out but we were all able to kind of keep apart from one another overall but i don't know today's been the first day of like really good weather in a long time so i actually did like a couple hours of yard work today
1: and Now it's I'm the very, opposite. It's mm-hmm. the opposite here. Uh, it's the first day of rain, and we're gonna have it like oh, a really? week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so we've been
0: going a little bit stir crazy right now. Yeah. So what we've been trying to do is bring everybody as much content as kind of time allows us right now. So mm-hmm. you know, aside from our normal shows, where we cover you know a specific movie every week as part of a franchise, you know, we're doing the mailbag. Uh, We are doing the script readings, and I think later on we'll announce what our second script is. We hope that you guys liked the first script we did, Um, Maximum King. I know that we had a lot of fun doing that, and I don't think it was just because we imbibed in many substances while we were.
1: I don't think there was a single person who wasn't either drunk or high or something.
0: I can neither confirm nor deny that I woke up my family at 2.30 in the morning to vomit. Um, so, So I at one point looked at how much Jameson I
1: had drunk and I'm like, yeah
0: was meaning to say that so what's what's um, funny is
1: in the middle of recording i can't it was like right before one of my lines suddenly a message popped up and i think it was from you saying i am so drunk (laughs) yes
0: how is everyone doing I'm pretty yeah
1: (laughs) everybody just kind of
0: ignored it but we've picked that what's what's our next script do you want to um yeah yeah Uh, this
1: one uh, Nat Brimmer had the idea to do this one, and I think it's a great idea. What it is, it's an early draft of a Nightmare on Elm Street five, The Dream Child, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean that's one of the uh, lesser lower ones, lower mm-hmm. ones as far as you know fan favorites. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's like having read this draft of the script. I think it's going to be so much fun to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had, me personally, I had, like, kind of a rough time playing Emilio Estevez, because it's just like, I wow, thought you were I realize, great. Oh, I, I just, man, I, I just didn't know how to play, like, so, mm-hmm. such a pushover. Like, it was weird. Mm-hmm. But, like, Mark, Mark and Nightmare on Elm Street 5, that kind of is my personality. So, mm-hmm. like, that was the, as soon as Nat recommended that we do that, that was instantly, it was like, right. that is, I am Mark. And uh, we have... What, uh, us two, uh, Nat and Mike Vanderbilt, so far, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And uh, Veronica is definitely on board. Grace is on board. Um, and I have a few other young women I want to reach out awesome. to to see if they'll join us. I have to look and see how many speaking parts there are. Um, yeah. I think the one thing we could work on, there was like a consistent kind of popping and buzzing. That was going yeah. on throughout it. And I think I know where it was coming from. So I'm just going to speak to that person and see if we can maybe get them to like get like a little bit quieter. Um, totally, like, totally. Yeah. But we want to do Creep Show this week. Uh, have we heard back from our potential guests? Have they?
1: I've reached out to a couple people about guesting yeah. on Creep Show. Uh, I haven't heard back yet, but really? I mean, you know, worst case, we'll do it or have you know the regular roster of people. We have a roster, yeah. I have a couple people I might reach out to
0: too. and I you know I keep putting off rewatching Creep Show, as good as it is. Um, I don't know why, but so, like, we were going to do that tonight, and then when Jerry had the idea to do the mailbag, I'm like, great. And I've been watching that documentary, Just Desserts, as well, which is a really fun documentary to get notes. So just to kind of reveal how the sausage is made a little bit here, like, I tend to be the one that does, or at least, like, shares the most notes. I don't know what Jerry has in front of him a lot of nights, but a lot of times I'll do, like, a Google Doc ahead of the show, uh, with anywhere from like one to seven pages of notes, but you know, I think it depends on the movie. Like when we did Scream and Blair Witch Project, uh, and some of the Friday movies and Halloween movies, you know, we probably had anywhere from you know, like six to ten pages of notes altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on like the quality of the movie. But then there are some weeks when you're like, all right, it's Critters four. I'm just gonna <laughs> watch it before we record. And well, you, then we're gonna wing it.
1: Do you remember the notes that I wrote for Critters 4? Uh, you wrote Critters, a lot of no, You Critters wrote attack a lot of then. notes for Critters Attack,
0: yes. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. You There's wrote, a wrote more. Say. Yeah. There were probably more <laughs> notes there than like they had gotten for feedback when they turned in <laughs> the script. So like and then we did um, where we did like Freddy versus Jason, like literally could have written a chapter in a book in terms of like how many notes that we actually had for that movie, which is why it was broken up into two parts at that point. Oh man. Um, so, what really? Live
1: so, Dominic Necros. I know.
0: So, with Creepshow 1 in particular, like I've been plowing through my notes while also writing some other things. And then, um, you know, that will get, by the time we get to Creepshow 3, we'll be talking more about our pets and our children than we will the actual <laughs> movies. That's a little bit about what we do because, you know, not all, you know, the hard thing about doing franchises, um you inevitably get to the movies that there's just less to talk about yeah. overall. So, um yeah. All right, I have spoken enough, I think. So, I'm going to do the random number generator Um, Jerry, do you have the Google doc in front of you? I do. All right. And it should now be clean. I think I've gotten rid of all of the ones that we, um, have already done. Okay. Okay. Sure. So we have one through eight. So question number eight. Let's
1: see. I think I might have the old doc with the old questions too. So, okay.
0: So it should be Q and a episode and if i've changed it and you're looking at it it should
1: be clean now i'll hit refresh uh, hold on doo, 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 doo. Sorry, that's man. all right nope it's all right one of those days uh, let's see i pro
0: harbor you on this document is what i did i just that, there
1: we go you. it it wasn't yeah. it wasn't corona it was this yeah. podcast that was pro harbor yes, really uh, hold on Okay, hold on. I'm almost there. There we go. Mm-hmm. This comes from Philip Wilcox at Phil the Movie Guy on Twitter. A really good writer. Uh, in your eyes, what was the most shocking slash controversial kills in a horror film? You want to go first? I'll let you take this one first. Uh, for me, I think there there are a few that that stand out. Uh, as a longtime fan. Uh, I think seeing Laurie Strode killed at the beginning of Resurrection really just knocked me for a loop. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that was a character, I mean, like I said many times, was like one of the first characters that I ever just, that, that just resonated with me. Like, I like seeing Laurie indoors, you know, time after time, it kind of became like a spirit animal, per se, and that sounds silly. But seeing Resurrection, seeing her killed like that, and kind of killed so just unceremoniously, uh, that was that was a big one. Uh, a couple others that stand out uh, in the same series. Seeing Jamie just kind of thrown to the side in Halloween Six was a gut punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, let's see another one. It wasn't controversial or like shocking in the sense of, like oh no I'm gonna have nightmares. But I just didn't expect it was uh, uh, the Grey's Anatomy dude at the beginning of Feast. Mm-hmm. You know, when when he pops in, he's like, "I'm the one that's going to save you," and then all of a sudden, you know, the monster's pulling in and like basically rip his head off. That was kind of uh, shocking. Uh, what about you? Yeah.
0: So for me, like a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three, when Nancy is killed, mm-hmm. um, Heather Langenkamp, when her because you're so trained to her, like being the final girl, um, like she's been kind of the lead heroine for two of the three movies so far, and then she bites it in such a way that that's a pretty shocking death overall to see happen when she's been kind of like the real, because you know um, Kristen in part three, like Patricia Arquette, she's presented as the lead heroine until Langenkamp shows back up again. Um, And then it's really, um, it's really becomes like Nancy's movie once again. And Kristen really disappears into the background for the, a lot of the last act overall. So that was a pretty shocking one. Um, I would, I'm not a huge saw movie person, but I still think that it's a pretty shocking moment at the end of, I think part three, when Tobin bell is killed off, um, yeah. especially because he's still the lead villain, in all the subsequent movies, even though he only appears in flashback form. So that's a pretty ballsy choice to go that way creatively. Um, to me in terms of shocking as well, the end of inside is still one of the most really gut wrenching, bizarre, twisted movies I think I've ever seen. Um, Because you're, number one, you come to find out that the mother-to-be in the movie didn't even want the child. And this other, and you know, the woman played by uh, Beatrice Dowell who's just, number one, stunningly beautiful, and number two, just so dangerous in that movie. Um, Almost a length she'll go, like the mother-to-be is like, look, if you want this baby so bad, I'll kill it um right now just to like get rid of this woman and how like your allegiance almost shifts in a way and then the end of that movie where there's just like a c-section performed and um the woman then has the baby and like the heroine of the movie is now basically killed off in a really grotesque way that is still one of the more stomach turning moments in I remember seeing that movie when my wife and I were trying to conceive at the time, and we lived in this condo. We were on, like, the third floor of a building. There were, like, multiple doors you had to get through to get into just the building itself, let alone our place. And I remember, like, triple locking every single door and entrance way the patio door you know was up in the balcony many stories up the front door was triple locked like that movie like fucked me up in a really yeah really big way
1: um that so that had, doing, that one and martyrs were two around the same time mm-hmm, that really yeah. screwed me up too oh
0: yeah and then i would say like the end of human centipede 2 where, like, a baby oh, gets yeah. squished under a, like... That's what I just won't even watch. Like, I know that occurs to it, and I don't need to see it
1: to know that that's uh, just, like, really shocking and uh, how, do you, how do, Okay, how do you stand on all those kind of movies? Because they have, they have such, like, a rabid fan base, but for me... Mm-hmm. And I used to be into a lot of those movies, but within the last five years... Like, I've really kind of shifted. Like, I just can't Mm -hmm. watch those. That or, like, a Mm -hmm. Serbian film is a movie that I've seen, like, Mm -hmm. twice, and I'll never watch it again because it's just it's too much for me.
0: Yeah, I haven't. I'm going to add really quick. Our listener running through the woods added Greta Gerwig in House of the Devil, which I think is phenomenal when A.J. Bowen pulls out the gun and just blows her head off, and that's really unexpected and so sudden. So, yep, that's an absolutely... Phenomenal choice right there as well, so kudos to Gareth for coming up with that one.
1: Have either of you guys seen uh, the straight-to-video sequels to Feast? I have not. I know we'll cover Dude. that one day. <laughs> there's in, this, in the second one. There's a moment where like all a bunch of survivors are running from these monsters, and there's this kind of like rednecky dad that is holding his baby running from the monsters, and the monsters getting close. So he throws his baby in the air and just keeps running. <laughs> <laughs> See, that I'm
0: okay with because it's, it's just, like, so goddamn silly, you know? Um, so the first Human Centipede movie, I remember I went to watch that, like, at a midnight showing in Boston. And I'm like, all right, this is fun and silly. Like, it was really, like, Dietrich uh, Laser, who plays So you Bad Scientist, was really born to play that role. And yeah. it was fun, and it was silly, and it was goofy, and I did not mind that at all. It feels like the second movie, I think what happened, a lot of people said this movie's not nearly controversial enough, given the sentiment. Like, it, And from that point on, I was like, well, fuck you guys. I'm going to go so far over the top at that point. And that's when I lost interest. Serbian film, I've never watched. Um, Martyrs, I've watched it once and I'm like, yep, you know, the last forty minutes of that film is just a woman getting punched in the face as far as I'm concerned. And that just doesn't hold a lot of appeal to me. I don't know, like I definitely don't mind ultra-gory, really blunt like I love Baskin. I think Baskin is one of the most brilliant films of the um past five years. I think that's an under you know, underappreciated movie. I think it doesn't get enough um, talk and love in terms of foreign horror movies go and that's a pretty mm-hmm. fucked up and warped movie um but I don't know I think it's like baby fucking might be where I draw the line and maybe that just makes
1: yeah. me you know
0: well, maybe that just makes that. me soft
1: you know? it, 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 right that's <laughs> not just that but like a Serbian film it, it, it feels like see and and here's here's my big issue with that movie and anyone that disagrees you know is cool whatever. But everyone tries to say, like, no, this is a metaphor for this. This is a metaphor for that. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, at some point, it's just a dude sticking his dick in a dude's eye to kill him and mm-hmm. being drugged, dra- drugged into fucking his own kid. And, like, mm-hmm. dude, like, that's, that's, like, you know what I mean? Like, fuck those met- – that's not a metaphor. That's just people trying to – you know what I mean? Like, I just can't do it. Yeah, I
0: there's think. another uh, movie that came out of Serbia right at the same time called Life and Death of a Porno Gang. Which yeah, uh, I, remember I strongly recommend, which is about a traveling group of artists that um, I'm just going to pump our show a little bit here. Um, traveling group of artists that basically they're making no money. So they end up getting paid by, I guess, like an investor or, or of some sort to basically euthanize people. Um, and then film it. And it's really twisted and messed up. And it's just like it shows them like how it affects them and how fucked up they are because of it. Yeah. And I think the premise is like all of these people that they're killing were on death's door to begin with. Um, if I remember, it has been a little while. Um, but I remember that movie was a, a hot mess in a really good way. And that's actually maybe I'll pull that one in soon and just give it a rewatch. Did you ever see yeah. The Tribe
1: uh, which one was that? Cause there's so many of those like straight to video movies called so, that.
0: the tribe was the one about the, um, school of deaf kids. I haven't. Ooh, okay. So basically it is this really, and I hope I got the name of it. Correct. Knowing me who would, you know, i fuck it up. Um, but it's this really bleak fucking movie that played. Yep. That's it. Fantastic. Fest a few years ago. Um, it's basically like this group of kids are like a gang of criminals, they're thieves, they're pimps. Um, and it's really fucking dark. There's a really grotesque and very realistic, um, Back, basically, back alley abortion scene uh. that occurs in it. That's really tough. Uh, I remember when it played Fantastic Fest. And one of my writers at the time, Dee Dee a phenomenal critic, was basically saying how yeah, oh, yeah. this movie like made her soul feel black. Like everybody coming out of it just felt awful coming out of it. I went to see it with my good friend. Uh, Andrea, at the Boston International Film Fest the following spring, and I thought it played like a really black comedy. I am definitely in the minority when it comes to that (laughs) opinion, Um, but I was laughing throughout it and then getting these dirty looks. Like, there's this moment where this, like, teenage pimp takes the girls out to, like, the local truck stop, so they're, you know pimping him out, and he's got his back turned, and this 18-wheeler starts backing up. Now, the kid's deaf, so he gets run over. Uh, And I thought that was the funniest shit that I'd ever seen in a movie. Um, It just, to me, it really tickled me in a way. And it ends, um, you know, spoiler alert for, like, a six-year-old movie, one of the more reluctant participants in all of this drama, he basically... Has had enough, um, and he takes this file cabinet and he goes bedroom to bedroom and just smashes dudes' skulls in with it. Whoa! To end the movie, yeah, it's fucked up. Um, so that's another like really controversial one as well, I would say. But I enjoyed it. It's a I took it as a black comedy, but what do I know? People can tell me that I'm like weird for thinking that. So, all right. What was, Do you have the, any
1: uh, oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, what was the uh the, yeah, this is one that really uh messed me up and I'm trying to come up with our, let's see. It was a movie uh, that Draft House put out. It was a foreign movie. It came out of Fantastic Fest a few years ago. I'm trying to find it right now. Oh god, what was it? Damn it. Never mind. I, but it's it's about it's about this this kid who is a Christian and he kinda goes to stay with this family who doesn't believe and the it's it gets very abusive and the yep. father basically tortures the mm-hmm. boy into denouncing God. I've and, seen this and own it and I can't think of the name you know, of it. Yeah dude name. like I was I was quoted on one of the posters and I don't nothing even remember the name happen. of it. Uh, yes. Nothing bad can happen. That movie is so
0: good. Oh yeah. That movie it's is amazing. so
1: good. And you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm very vocally not a Christian, but that mm-hmm. movie is such a good example of someone that's being so in tune mm-hmm. with their faith that no matter what happens, it will not shake that faith. And that yeah. movie has one of the most heartbreaking endings around, but like god, mm-hmm. that one messed me up.
0: How oh, about the Snowtown Murders? Did you ever see? Yeah, that's that? another That's one. another really good one. An Australian movie about, and it pretty much plays it straight about this real life um, series of death and murders that went down in a really tiny Australian town where they ended up finding like a lot of bodies and barrels mm-hmm. um, when all was said and done. That's another very mm-hmm. kind of like fucked up movie. That
1: one and
0: uh, Found
1: was another one I really mm-hmm. liked. Do you remember uh that one?
0: found. I remember we I think we even screened that in yeah. Boston. That's the one about the kid that wants to make monster movies and he's just really kind of messed up,
1: correct? And his his older brother is is a murderer and he yes. finds the head. Yeah, yeah he finds the mm-hmm. head in his brother's bowling bag. Oh dude, that mm-hmm. movie has such a crazy ending. Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: we actually, if I remember correctly, we screened that in Boston in, like, God, 2011 or 12. Like, it's been Uh so long now. Um, All right. I think we can put that one to rest. I have come up with question number four. Jerry, do you want to go with this? Uh,
1: Dave. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Number four, Dave Gabbard, uh, who is at chief underscore broom 73 on Twitter. Top mm-hmm. ten horror movie endings. Uh, let's go with three because ten horror mm-hmm. movies. Uh, we'll be here a long time. Top three horror movie endings. Ooh. Uh, the first one's going to be obvious. Uh, I do think the end of Halloween is one of the mm-hmm. best endings of all time because it, it, no matter how old you are, uh, however, however old you are when you experience that movie for the first time, you know, I've, I've seen it with my kids when they were, like, I don't know, four or five, and it, you know, the ending hit them a certain way. I've had grown adults see it for the first time with me, and mm-hmm. it hit them a certain way. But one thing you cannot deny is that ending, the first time you see it, it is such a, like, what-the-fuck moment in the yeah. best of ways. I, I love that one so much. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I'll give my
0: number, I'll give one, Yeah, we we'll scroll back and forth. Cool. So I think any it's obvious for anyone that knows me um i'm gonna go with the end of the blair witch project oh yeah um because it just like halloween does it's a movie that leaves the viewer with a lot more questions than answers and no sense of finality whatsoever like that movie is still you know You you, long after you leave the theater you're questioning what you just saw what just happened what's the next thing that's going to happen and that image of um, Mike just standing in the corner and the sight of like basically you know that Heather is just dropped and hits the ground and then it fades to black with the camera just going out of focus and you just hear the whirring of the camera and that's it that to me is still one of the finest pure moments in horror overall. And that tied in everything that had gone on before it just so well. And it scared the bejesus. It really scared the
1: bejesus Mm -hmm. out of me. Oh yeah. I'd have to agree with that one. Uh, My number two would be the end of The Exorcist 3. I love The Exorcist 3 like almost as much as I love the first Halloween. It is a movie Mm -hmm. that like I saw in the theater as a kid and it was like, it's not a movie I discovered later on in life. Like, I loved it right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a kid, I thought it was scary. As an adult, I think it's scary, and it also has a lot to say about faith, the lack of faith, uh, mm-hmm. friendship, uh, uh, evil. Just, it has such good statements on, on evil in general. And if you've read the book Legion by William Peter Blatty, it's such a kind of poetic at times uh, story. And, and the way that it's written, the film it gets you really into the characters like you care about Kinderman you care about the relationship between Kinderman and Father Dyer so when father dyer dies you kind of feel that that loss that kinderman goes through so where by the end the whole movie kinderman is questioning his lack of faith what he believes <laughs> and what he doesn't and at the end when it's just like he feels like he's about to die, and he just starts screaming, screaming that mm. long, that long rant at the demon. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think, one of the best monologues of all time. And it, I think it's so fucking good, so good. And also, having him just like address that, and mortality, and faith, and everything at the end of the movie, if you've read the book, it, they don't really go into it in the in the movie, but in the book, Kinderman's starting to kind of feel the early onset of Alzheimer's and dementia. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to, like, trying to, like, figure out what he believes and who he is and how he feels about his life while dealing with this case that could very well be his last one. So in the film, when he does it's that a race monologue, against time it's, it's even a more race. Mm-hmm. It is. It is, very mm-hmm. much so. Yeah, so that ends, that monologue. I, I fucking love it so much. Yeah. Um,
0: Joe Dante's the howling. The end of that movie is so gut wrenching and so beautiful. Um, you have Dee Wallace, who's just been put through the ringer from the first minute of that movie and everything she's gone through. And just of all the persons who betrayed her trust along the way, like her husband who turned her back on her, um, and essentially leaves her for the tribe. Um, you know, her therapist or psychiatrist who she was supposed to trust, who's been in on it, like everyone that's burned her. And then she knows the monster she's become and she knows what she has to do. But she also knows that no one is going to believe her story because it's just so outrageous. Um, so she transforms, she basically sacrifices herself live on the air and, um, sacrifices herself. Um, but then, if I remember correctly, it cuts to people watching at home, and the reaction is kind of like, "Look at the special effects they can do." <laughs> so, like, even though the truth is right in front of them, they people still refuse to believe it. The it's maybe yeah. one of the first instances of people saying fake news. Um, yeah. So to me, that is like a really sad but beautiful ending.
1: hmm Oh, that's good. I love that one too. Uh, My last one is the end to uh, 10 to Midnight, which I definitely Mm -hmm. consider a horror film. Uh, 10 to Midnight basically is Charles Brunson, a a detective, trying to stop this kind of arrogant serial killer who, like, hates women, basically. And he he kills them while naked so he doesn't get caught. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the whole movie, Bronson's like, kind of losing his grip on everything because he knows this guy's guilty. But the guy is so, like, squirmy that he's able to get away with stuff. So, the, the end, the serial killer is trying to really pay back Charles Bronson for putting him through hell. So, he goes mm-hmm. after Charles Bronson's daughter and all of her nurse friends in this really this scary scene. Uh, and basically, the ending is Charles Bronson's daughter's running down the street. The serial killer's coming after her. Charles Bronson's running from somewhere else. You don't know who's going to get there first. And just as the killer's about to get to the daughter, Charles Bronson shows up with a gun. And the serial killer, the cops are coming, the, the serial killer's like, you know, oh, you know, I'm crazy, I don't know what I'm doing, because he knows that's going to be his defense, and he's like, oh, you know, I'll get out, I'll get out, you know, I'll, you know, all this stuff, and then Charles Bronson just says, no, you won't, and shoots him in the forehead. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> like, it's so-, so, here's the deal, and like, I was on a podcast a, a-, a couple years ago, uh, Uh, Scream addicts, and we were talking about Cobra. How if Cobra, if Marion Cobretti,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, if Marion Cobretti existed today, or Charles Bronson's character in to Midnight existed today, they would be those kind of Republicans. You know what I mean? Like uh, the, you know, like a, you know, kind of looks like uh, I'm an open carry and all this stuff. So I feel like those movies are kind of problematic. But I mean, fuck. I mean, there's nothing funnier than seeing seeing Charles Bronson like say that line and shooting that Mm -hmm. guy. No, you won't. So yeah, I think one of my all-time favorite Simpsons
0: gags is the one where like everybody is Charles Bronson, including babies. <laughs>
1: oh, it's just to me. Hysterical. Where they think they think they're uh, yeah, they think they're going to Branson, Missouri, but they go mm-hmm. to Bronson, Missouri. Yeah, and then the, he's, yeah, the little kid, the little kid, no dice. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful.
0: <laughs> um For my last choice, I am going to say Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, oh, which yes. is a really dark choice and I'm usually a pretty happy guy um, because I actually like that it doesn't soften the character at the end. You've just come off this big moment where Henry has strangled his partner uh, because his partner was trying to rape his own sister at that point. And he and Becky, I mean, he's revealed to Becky and she accepts him for who he is. I mean, he basically rescues her and then they make off to a hotel and you think that, you know, he's going to turn a new page. He's going to start over again. But instead of doing that, like, it ends with just Henry walking out of that hotel all by himself. Um, and if memory serves correct, like, basically, Becky is in that suitcase that he leaves yeah. behind at that point. So, you know, it's just, just like a shark is never going to change It's a nature, like, that's what Henry is. He's just a predator that's going to make his way from town to town to town and kill as often as he can and prey on as many people as he can because that's just who he is. Like, that's a really dark commentary overall, but it just, to me, it's it's beautiful. I love the ending of that movie. Yeah, it's great. So, yeah, we're pretty sick fucks. I don't know what to tell you. So, (laughs) all right, give me one moment here let's spin the wheel question number five this one was from our facebook page uh the pod and the pendulum over on facebook uh mark ward i've got a question i'm a sucker for director's cuts lost footage which horror or genre film do you wish you could see the director's original uncut unrated or extended vision of Ooh, that's good. You want to go this one first? Yeah, I'm going to go with Event Horizon. Oh, um, yes. Because that's one. Like, It's a really enjoyable, fun, gory, kind of campy, kind of silly, um, but scary as fuck movie to begin with. But I also know that that movie has been cut to shreds. Um, so I would love to see... The um, PT Anderson's original vision for that movie, and just have a really kind of balls out um, Lovecraftian space horror movie. I think that could be a lot of fun. That could, you know, and especially, you know, if you were able to like update it um, with some better effects that kind of stand the test of time overall. Like, I know that that's on a lot of persons kind of. would love to see it list. So for me that that would be my choice. Um, one that wasn't made that I would have loved to have seen made, like the original idea for Alien Three, which if you go to Audible.com, I believe they have published it, the script as kind of like a radio drama. Um, so which, the original uh, which version which version of Alien three is that I don't remember off the top of my head. I think uh-huh. I think it was pre-Fincher. I could be wrong, okay. but I think it was pre-Fincher. And I think it's one where um, was it the Joss Whedon version? Do you know? Or was no, because like, he was Alien. Okay. Was he was Alien Resurrection? He would have been the fourth one. So because it
1: went, I know the third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think you're right. Uh, the third mm-hmm. one went through like a lot of writers. So there's it so did. many great drafts. So like, man, mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's on Audible. You said yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. Who do you got? Uh, Well, uh, speaking of director's cuts, really quickly, uh, one that recently came out that I would recommend is Doctor Sleep. Like the theatrical theatrical was so much – like it was enjoyable. But the director's cut, in my opinion, is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's like half an hour longer. There's so much development. Like it's, it's the epitome of what a director's cut should be. Ones that I wish would come out. Uh, the Snyder. No, I'm just joking. Please uh, no I Snyder want, cut here. No, no. I want to see the original cut of Halloween Five uh, okay. with the original, the original opening because you know anyone that has paid attention to I don't know like Fangoria articles or uh, you know the book. Uh, taking shape or any of the stuff knows that the original beginning of Halloween five was very different. Uh, you know, it wasn't just an older man that, you know, let Michael crash there and, you know, whatever, you know, it was kind of like this witch doctor kind of young, kind of punk rock looking guy who kind of did these rituals on Michael, gave him the curse of Thorn tattoo and did these special rituals to help him bring him back to life. So that would have explained a lot in that movie. But, you know, they thought it was a little too weird, so they brought in the old man with the parrot, and it, it makes no sense, you know what I mean? Like, it, it makes no sense what, it, what whatsoever. But I'm pretty sure recently, about a year ago, I think, they might have found the the footage for Halloween 5, though. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would love to see that. Uh, for years, uh, for years, as a long-time, I mean, long, long-time fan of uh, Nightbreed, that was, like, my holy grail. But, I mean, we've gotten, like, two new cuts of that in the last few years. So, I mean, like, so happy to have seen that.
0: We got another message from Running Through the Woods. And if you're listening in live, and there are a few people that are, uh, by all means, like, drop us a message here. Ask a question. We'll uh, do our best to answer it, given the time that we have. But uh, Running Through the Woods is saying, release the blood orgy cut. I have no idea what that means. The blood orgy? Yeah. First thing that comes up when I type in "blood
1: orgy" is a South Park. Video. Blade. Oh, okay. Are you talking about Blade, or what? What are you talking about? I'm, I'm curious. I, have seen I am a 1988 movie, "Blood Orgy" of the Leather Girls. Oh yes, no, no. He's right. He... Never heard of this until right now. Yeah, it's it's in yeah. the longer cut of Event Horizon. What now? It's the longer cut of Event Horizon. Okay. I have no idea
0: what's ever referenced as that. I am an idiot. All right. I will not edit that part out. We will keep that in there for posterity for all of our listeners so they know how stupid I can be. It's a movie I picked. Excellent. Shows what I know. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's spin the wheel here.
1: All right. Let's do this. Number three. Do you want to read it off? Uh, yeah, sure. Let me see here. Number three. And this is from The Third? Yep. All right. Number three comes from The Third, and it, he is at, at DM Music 3rd on Twitter. Uh, he says, uh, I wrote this to Fangoria too. Why on earth has there not been a definitive Halloween documentary? Every franchise has a four-hour-long doc, and I demand a Halloween one. Maybe not a question, but I had to vent. Um Well as someone who has asked that same question many times to people involved in the series and, uh, someone who was up until a couple months ago working on something very active, having to do with that. Oh, uh, uh, no, 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 it's totally cool. Uh, the, the reason is a couple things. Uh, some, some of the films are owned by different companies. Uh, also some people are protective over certain things. Uh, they did the kind of uh, documentary a few years back. that had more to do with the convention, but kind of did that. But I think that it's because I I just don't think the time's right, to be honest. And I would love to have one. I think all fans would have, love to have one. But I, I feel like, to be honest, right now, I would rather them wait until the new trilogy is wrapped up. Because, you know what I mean? Like... The Friday the Thirteenth. It was a perfect time to have that because there was no active movement in the series, so it would, there would be a really great all inclusive documentary that you know tackles everything we have. Same with Nightmare on Elm Street. You know when that came out, you know it was like the remake was still fresh. There was no like movement. You know it seemed like a perfect time, in my opinion. I I don't feel like it's the perfect time for a Halloween documentary yet, though. I would love to see one, but I also want to make sure it's done by someone who isn't going to give us just. The standard EPK thing You know Like if we get a Halloween documentary I want it to be as crazy as Crystallic Memories or Never Sleep Again mm-hmm. But I mean that, that's just my opinion Why there is no one
0: Yeah I think part of it comes down to the fact That you have you know Blumhouse You have Universal You have mm-hmm. um, The Akkads, You have Dimension Films um, You have Miramax all of these different companies that own different pieces of Halloween. So you'd have to get the rights from all of them in order to make one, um, cohesive documentary at that point, which makes it difficult where with the Elm street movies, you have new line cinemas with Friday the 13th, you have eight of the movies are all part of paramount. So if you get one, yes, then it becomes a lot easier at that point. Um,
1: also, I know uh, that- uh, uh-huh. Oh no, I, I didn't mean to, to interrupt you. I was just gonna say, uh, I also know that the box set that came out a few years ago. I don't think people realized how many hoops had to be jumped through just for right. that to happen. Like that was such a huge undertaking from everyone mm-hmm. involved. Yeah. You know.
0: I also like. I, I know there's been a lot of different documentaries for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I don't only on the first movie. Like I don't think there's a definitive. Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, documentary that ties all the movies together as well. Uh, And that's one that I would really, really like to see
1: just because of all the hoops that had to go through. Oh, totally. And a good friend of mine, uh, I I don't know if I'm at liberty to say who, so I won't, but Mm -hmm. a, a good friend of mine worked for years on a documentary that that she wanted to produce on I think 2 and 3 for Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. and I'm talking about a whole blueprint of like a 4 or 5 hour documentary on those two movies I mean this was mm-hmm. going to be the most inclusive thing around it, it you know but the, I think one of the things that kind of put uh, you know uh, into that is is Toby passing away you mm-hmm. know it, it's really I, I can't imagine you know you know, if something happened to Carpenter, I can't imagine doing a whole series kind of documentary on Halloween without his involvement. You know what I mean? And I, I think that to get a really good one on Texas Chainsaw, like I mean, you know, Toby Hooper. I mean, that it, that's you know what I mean. Like you have to have Toby in that. So I mean, I think what? a lot of these movies we're not getting documentaries. You know, because there's key people that should be involved in them. Luckily, you know, a lot of the Halloween people are still, you know, here. So, I mean, you know, fingers crossed. Right. Yep, fingers crossed.
0: So, I would say that would be, I mean, you can go back and watch 25 Years of Terror. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think that that particularly is in, in depth. And I think, like you said, it maybe refers more to the convention circuit. I guess also it's pretty out of date by now too because we're at like 40 years so you know maybe don't go back and get 25 years of terror at this point i don't know i would say that if you want a lot of behind the scenes information on halloween get your hands on taking shape the book uh by dustin mcneil um because that goes really in depth on every single halloween movie um the movies that were made the movies that were almost made a lot of behind the scenes information so Mm -hmm. i can't recommend that one strongly enough i would really say go ahead and pick up taking shape um yes it's not a movie but i mean if you want that halloween itch tickled then by all means like pick that up right now it's a phenomenal read Mm-hmm. All right, we got three more to get through here, so let's just go
1: in order here. I'll have you read the first one up top. All right, number one is from Nar uh, Mark, not related to Ed <laughs> uh, who is at Wake Up Heavy on Twitter, uh, who also has a really cool podcast. Uh, I would definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, His question is, uh, probably been asked, but what do you consider the most underrated but solid horror franchise? Uh, You want to go first?
0: Mm, No, I do not
1: want to go first. I need a minute to think of this one. Uh, Mine uh, is definitely uh, Don Coscarelli's Phantasm. Uh, You know, it has so many fans, but that being said, I don't feel like it's ever been uh, widely... Uh, just, it's not as beloved by like mainstream. I think as much as you know the Freddys, the Jasons, the Michael Myers films, and that kind of stuff. Phantasm, I think, to be honest, even though they shift in quality a little bit depending based on like you know their budget and stuff, I do think all five of them are really great. There isn't there there isn't a single Phantasm film that I'm not a huge fan of. Right up mm-hmm. until the fifth movie, which I love a lot. You know, it, it's it's a really good series about Brotherhood about you know protecting people close to you and it's so fantastical uh I, I love the design of of the Spears uh, I think the tall man is one of the most underrated horror icons around uh, and I, I just love it it's, it's one of my favorite franchises around. Yeah, you know,
0: that's a really good choice, and I think because of all the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into that. What is the name of the book that Coscarelli wrote um, about making Phantasm?
1: Ooh, uh, I can't remember the name of the book. I have it somewhere, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's about, like, just his career in general. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, there is a book that I think—did Dustin McNeil write it all about Phantasm? Like, Phantasm Exhumed, I believe? Let's take a look right now. Let's fire up the old Google machine. Yeah. Phantasm Zoomed is great. Great.
0: Let's see. That would be by Dustin McNeil. There we go. The Unauthorized Companion. So, how about Dustin that? Has, um, um the making of Freddy versus Jason, is one of the books that he's responsible for putting together, taking shape. True Indie is Don Coscarelli's yeah. book. Um, That's what that it. is the book about the um, making of Phantasm as well as other movies. And then, yeah. Okay. So right now you could get, if you're a Kindle unlimited member, which is like their version of like Netflix for books, you can get it for $0 to read or three bucks to buy on Kindle. So I think you want to be spending a few bucks tonight to get this. That is awesome. So we're eventually yeah. going to get to the Phantasm movies, which are super fucked up and wonderful movies. Um, I am going to go with a series that has never made it to the big screen. And it was a Ooh. straight-to-video series from Full Moon back in the 90s. It's probably my favorite vampire series. I think the subspecies series, especially uh-huh. the first two, two to three movies, oh, are yeah. so incredible and underappreciated. You have uh, Radu, who's just fucked up, like in a time where like vampires were getting more romanticized and not sparkly. This is still like way before twilight, but you would get your handsome lead to play the tortured vampire soul. Uh, full moon goes the complete opposite direction and you have basically, um, if the crow was strung out on heroin, you would get what Radu <laughs> looked like. And they're super bloody. um, Granted, they're pretty low budget, but the biggest thing that the biggest thing that they were able to do was basically shoot in Romania in these old castles, and it just gives us this really creepy, scary gothic feel. Um, I would absolutely recommend that. I guess if you want to get your fix, you can try the Full Moon Channel on Amazon. It's like six bucks a month, but there's a free trial in all of the. Um, Subspecies movies are on there, so that's a series I can't wait to get to. Uh, I also, love me a good
1: uh, Empire. Uh, speaking of, of that series, if you obviously not lately because of the Corona stuff, but it, when conventions do start again, uh, if any of you are lucky enough to go to any of them, if Full Moon is there, they always have they always have some of the best deals on their movies. Like I, I think I got the first three Transers movies on Blu Ray mm-hmm. for like. 20 bucks or something like that yeah. like, they cut good deals so i mean it would be so cheap for you guys just to pick up like subspecies one two or whatever like blind buy even if you don't get a chance to check it out they're worth it they're i agree yeah, they're great those are really phenomenal movies. And
0: I would say like some movies that got kind of like crapped on a lot when they came out. Um, I love the paranormal activity series. Uh, um, oh, me too. They yeah. kind of rotate in quality. Like part two is not that great. Um, part one and three are bangers. Part four is pretty good. Um, I, you know, I think that they, it, after a while they maybe ran their course or people kind of started to tune them out a little bit. Um, but I really enjoy those movies, by and large. It's another series. Um, Do and you I don't like think the final- marked ones? I haven't seen the marked ones. So I just bought the six-disc Blu-ray set. Um, it's not really a set. It just basically you get this really thin case and six-discs. Discs on it, oh. um, but I would have to watch that. I would also say, like, I think people like the Final Destination series, but I don't think people remember just how big those movies were um, yeah. back in the 2000s. Um, it was really like what took the ball from you know, it took the ideas that Scream had going for them, but instead of just like copying them, like movies like I know what you did last summer did, and um, you know, Urban Legends did. It it did its own thing and it did it in a really fun fun way so that's another series like Brian keeps suggesting it and I know that I want to do it but then like something else comes up but we'll definitely get to that by summertime I think we will have I don't know one, one
1: more uh one more one more series that I really love and it's not horror but it's kind of genre uh genre heavy uh that I love almost as much as I love the Halloween movies is the Trancers films mm-hmm. uh, like, I, I don't think people talk about transfers enough, and I think it's one of the funniest, like, just uh, the most fun you can have watching full moon movies. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, I would highly recommend checking those out. Transfers, okay. I mean, it's so much fun. Excellent. All right. Let's see. We have two more questions here. All
0: right. You want to read that off, Jerry?
1: Oh, okay, in order. let uh, see. Melissa at Home, which uh, her Twitter handle is horrorgeekmel. says, Worst horror films to watch during a pandemic. Uh, also, some fun 80s slashers that aren't mentioned as often. And most underrated Corona Apocalypse items. Three-part question. Three-part uh, question. Who uh, I, I think it depends. I, I think it's subjective. Maybe uh, me, pers- like I've seen so many people watch like Outbreak and stuff during the shit. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, like I'm, I'm shitting my pants and eating my neighbors. So <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I don't like I'm not watching that. Me personally, I've been mm-hmm. catching up on a lot of comedies. To be honest, uh, but when it comes to horror, I, I've been watching a lot of movies that that kind of give me an escape. Movies that I would have loved if they had come out when I was growing up. Like, I, I think an episode or two ago, I was, like, gushing about VFW. But movies like that have really helped me during this whole time kind of just, like, lose myself in, in like, fun horror again. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, the, it's it's impossible to not be on the edge of your seat laughing and just being excited watching a movie like VFW. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, watching a, a very pure horror film, like, After Midnight. I mean, that is a movie that just has, like, emotion and just genuine emotion behind it. You know like these are like escape movies for me. Me personally, I can't watch things like, you know, like the the pandemic kind of movies right now mm-hmm. cuz you know that's happening outside right now, you know? Right. But and that's just me. Yeah, I would say like I
0: keep like oh, do I want to put it in 28 days later right now and then I edge away from it right now. Um I would say like I have been keeping it very light and going back to the classics um i don't think they're you know like there's part a reason we're doing creep show next is because that movie is really fun uh and yeah it's bloody as hell it's got some phenomenal effects by savini but to me it just brings me back to being like a third grade kid and getting feeling like i got one over on my parents because um I wasn't supposed to be watching movies like that. And Mm -hmm. here I was hiding in my grandmother's basement, like watching that movie. Um, The Elm Street series, the Friday the 13th series, like going back to the classics for me, like the movies that make me happy to watch. Like I'm definitely planning an Elm street rewatch this, this week in particular, um, just cause I'm writing about that movie for a project I'm working on right now. Like that's the chapter I'm working on. So I need to go back and rewatch it to take some notes, but also because mm. I just love those fucking movies like that. You know, when you talk about how much Jerry loves the Halloween series, the Elm street series is that for me, I would say like really bleak, horror movies right now are something that I'm avoiding. I'm definitely not like, you know um, like the pandemic movies are ones that have these really grim endings. Uh, As much as I like mentioned Henry portrait of a serial killer earlier, like right now, that's not something I would put in. Um, Yeah. So that's what I would say. Um, Fun 80 slashers. Jerry, this is going to be you because you are the expert on this.
1: Uh I think one's that really aren't mentioned as often uh I love Joseph Zito's The Prowler. Uh it which is the movie that basically kind of awesome. got him mm-hmm. final chapter, you know? Like I I think The Prowler is is so underrated. Uh it it has this some great kills, the mood. I mean there's like smoke in the air in almost every shot, you know? Like mm-hmm. it it just has this vibe to it. I love it so much. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the original prom night really isn't mentioned mm-hmm. as much as it should be. Uh I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I love the kind of like renaissance of Prom Night Two fans because mm-hmm. that movie's fucking weird and insane. But yeah. the first prom night the per- first prom night it's it's like everything that I, I, I kinda love about like Canadian horror. Yeah. I mean like you know what I mean? Like and, yeah, we got a remake uh, uh, this last year Black Christmas, and Black Christmas is kind of always on everyone's list. But if you talk to kind of like uh, – I hate to say the mainstream horror fans because I'm not trying to like, you know, like, oh look at us. We're better or anything like that. Uh, my friend Heather Buckley calls them civilians. But, uh, <laughs> you know, just like the, the standard people that kind of only know kind of like the mm-hmm. big theatrical things. I think maybe the original Black Christmas is one that I would always recommend. Uh, as far as eighties, uh, I'm, gonna, you know, go with, that I'm was... gonna
0: go with. I to go with one right now. Toby Hooper's The Fun House oh, is a movie yes. that it does not get nearly enough love. Uh, I mean, it has a giant mutant killer. It has a creepy fucking carnival. It has a group of kids that I really like. Like, I love that your final girl, Amy. It's like. You know, at a time where most final girls were like, well, guys, you know, like, I gotta stay home and study and not, you know, like, I'm the good girl. She's like, fuck you, mom and dad. Like, I'm going to this carnival. Uh, and I'm going to basically get laid. Um, I really think that that movie is a blast to watch. Like, it's got some really cool effects. It's got a phenomenal setting. It's got this really bizarre little kid in the movie too that is like basically feeds his sister to the wolves for lack of a better description because she doesn't take him to the carnival. Um when people think of Hooper, I think and they don't think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they think of uh, Salem's Lot, they think of Light Force, they think of, um, he was a, what was he, a PA on Poltergeist, I think. Like he was like a, <laughs> I think, like, you know, so that's usually oh that's usually what they think. Um, but no one thinks about the Funhouse, um, which actually was like, Actually directed by Richard Marquand, who directed uh, Return of the Jedi. So,
1: so. Oh, my God. Uh, so, no, that, I would say that, that one's also, good. Uh, also, Maniac Cop is a big one for me. Mm. I, I love Maniac Cop. I love Maniac I've Cop 2 even more. Cop. Oh, dude, What? there's three of them. The first Mm -hmm. one came out in 88. Uh, Two is my favorite, but it came out in 90, so I guess it wouldn't Mm -hmm. qualify as 80 slashers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those are really good. Uh, Bruce Campbell's in the first one, and he's in the second Mm -hmm. one for a little bit. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many good ones out there, yeah. This
0: one is a cheat because it came out in 1990, but there's a movie, and I don't even—can you rent it? It says Amazon Prime, 99 cents. Oh, I can buy it for four. I'm fucking buying this. I had no idea I could. Uh, Directed by Riff Coogan, um, The Invisible Maniac. Um, Yes, that awful movie. (laughs) This is a phenomenal movie, and I will have no bad words said against it. (laughs) So back in the 90s, like, we had this on VHS, a friend of mine did, and literally every Saturday night, because his mom at some point just left town, and gave him the house to run. And we would watch this movie. It's about uh, this high school or college professor. It's been, like, 20 years since I've seen it, so please bear with me. But it's about this teacher that um, looks like, um, kind of looks like Walter White, if I remember correctly, and he gives, like, a De Niro-esque performance as this guy that, like comes up with an invisibility formula and he's absolutely fucking bonkers. And over the top, it stars a number of like eighties adult actresses in it. Um, in like actual roles in the movie uh it's really stupid there's one scene where as he, he's as he's invisible like he jumps and stomps on some dude's head in a gym like a number of times so you can rent it for a buck on amazon prime or buy it for four i would recommend it i probably saw this movie 20 times like it was this Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1 and 2, those three movies were like the three VHS tapes this dude had. So every Saturday night, like some rotation of two of those movies went in around midnight, and we would just stay up watching them. So
1: definitely The Invisible Man. What is great about that one is that Adam Rifkin is credited at, in his alias in that one as Riff Coogan. Mm-hmm. But it's it's funny It's funny to like know that Adam Rifkin Made that movie because he went on to you know Like be a really really I mean decently sized You know mm-hmm. horror director and director in general I mean director's cut from a couple years ago Was really good mm-hmm. Did you see that one?
0: That, I did not uh,
1: see that one Chillerama I mean he, mm-hmm. he directed Detroit Rock City You know like a really great director right. but You're
0: not really selling me on the rest of Rifkin's yeah. career <laughs> It's saw Detroit Rock City in theaters, and it was he wrote really, Mouse Hunt. Yeah. Like, imagine if like small Soldiers. Yeah. Like Detroit Rock City is like days of confused. If it was like done by people with head injuries, basically,
1: so you know, it's really not not for me. Oh my god!
0: All okay. right,
1: most most underrated corona apocalypse items. Okay, clean underwear. Yes, yes.
0: have to have a lot of clean underwear.
1: I've been showering more during this than I, I did before, mm-hmm. which says a lot, I guess. Okay. Um, <laughs>
0: I would say... Um, Paper books would be one of the things. Like actual physical media would be yeah. something that I would say is underrated because I think everyone talks about oh we're going to stream Netflix and there have been a couple times where our internet has like slowed down and things have not been in 4K or high def and it's driven me crazy. I just mm-hmm. refuse to watch it. Um, so having like. Back up like Blu-rays and discs and like hard copies of books, just because I want to. A just to get away from a screen, um, mm-hmm. you know. Like even if I could, I have like hundreds of books on my Kindle, or I'm a big fan of Scribd, which is Netflix for books and audiobooks. Um, but sometimes it's nice holding something physical, um, fresh fruit and
1: vegetable, as mm-hmm. well. No, yeah, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, when tried, when I've been oh, go ahead, no, you first. No, I was just gonna say, uh, you know, I tr- we try to go out as little as possible, maybe like once, maybe twice a week for essentials. But each mm-hmm. time that I do that, I try to, uh, while I'm at like Target, which you know has groceries, the one that I'm the mm-hmm. where I live. Uh, while I'm there, I try to pick up at least one or two books and movies, you know, mm-hmm. from there just How? to have like newer stuff. So I've been picking up like. You know, movies or mm-hmm. books. You know, I've gotten like a few Stephen King books that I just didn't own or yep. haven't read. You know, some yep. Joe Hill stuff. Yep. Uh, Stephen Sprouseky, who wrote "Perks of Being a Wallflower," he came out with a new book called "Imaginary Friend," which is mm-hmm. like a, a kind of a horror a horror heavy book, and I would definitely recommend that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Also, uh, Best Buy, which is right next to the Target I I have to go to, they do that curbside thing where basically you order it and you just open your trunk when you get there and they just put it in your trunk and you drive Mm -hmm. off. So, I mean, I've I've tried to, like, you know, only when I go out for essentials I'll try to just, you know, pop my trunk and have them deliver my movies. But, I mean, other than that, uh, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, man, just, like, personal hygiene. I, I think, to be honest, like, uh, you know, it's easy to be have cabin fever in your house and stuff. But I mean, even just like taking a nice shower and like mm-hmm. fixing your hair or something as silly as like I don't know, yeah. trimming your beard or some shit. Like mm-hmm. even something as small as that like has made me feel like in, like really yeah. like a lot better. Like I, yeah. I, you know, staying on top of grooming and just staying on top of yourself in general.
0: Yeah, it does go a long way. I would say too. Like we have a trampoline in our backyard. And that has been a lifesaver for our daughter, because, um, like, about 20 times a day, she'll just get up and stop what she's doing and just, like, jump on the trampoline for 10 to 15 minutes and do flips. And today, like, I would throw her the Nerf ball, then she would throw it to me, and she would try to catch it or throw it while she was jumping. Um, was really cute today. Like, she brought our dog onto the trampoline and was trying to teach her to jump on the trampoline using cheese treats. So. So she would like hold the cheese up and the dog would have to jump and try to she was trying to get her to bounce on the trampoline so i thought that was really cute um that's just been a way to get like a lot of physical activity in um and have just kept her like super super busy as well which is really nice um
1: uh, yeah my, my i was just say uh my kids are like very outdoorsy kind of kids mm-hmm. so this whole thing's been like hell on earth for them mm-hmm. uh i've tried to like incorporate a lot of things to do inside if you know if they can yeah. go outside there's this like funny but weird awkward YouTube channel called Cosmic Kids and it's mm-hmm. basically like cartoon and kids movies themed yoga mm-hmm. so my kids my kids would like just do that for like an hour and they'll That's be like, so cool. into it yeah yeah totally like they'll have like Star Wars based yoga or Harry Potter yoga and stuff like that so i mean I mean, I think just try to think outside of the box. I mean, yeah. like we, my my wife and I, we wrote like this big murder mystery dinner that we're going to do this week mm-hmm. with our kids. Like the whole plot, characters, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a nineteen twenties, like like speakeasy with mobsters and stuff. Yeah, you know, like I, it, I just think ingenuity is the most underrated mm-hmm. item. Yeah,
0: use your imagination. Basically, we've done a decent amount of like trail walking because we're able to do it and keep socially distance and like walk our dog and get a lot of fresh air. Like we found another trail that we're probably going to do tomorrow that's like really wide open and an easy walk. So we're kind of excited to kind of do that to get like an hour of fresh air with a dog. So I think it's something we take for granted. Um but you know, we're really grateful for it. And then yeah. You know, so I would say that would be, you know, clean underwear, um, physical media, like physical hard copies of books and discs because, you know, streaming can only, you know, sometimes like if streaming cuts out or if the power goes out, which I'm sure is going (coughs) to, happen. you know, just having the stuff there, fresh fruit for us, you know, when we do our shop um, and then like just shit
1: to do. All right. I've been renting, I've been, uh, really quickly, I've been renting a lot more movies than I usually mm-hmm. do. Like, I'm usually, like, strictly physical media, you know? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's so many people affected by this, so I've tried to rent as many indie movies as possible. Yeah. I mean, l- last night, I rented and watched uh, Scream Queen, that documentary, and Mark Patton. Ooh, how is that? Uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, there was a couple things about it that I was just like, uh eh. Like, I, I feel mm-hmm. like maybe, maybe if it... Maybe if it didn't involve Mark Penn as much as it did, and I don't mean that against – no, 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 no. I don't don't mean that against him. I mean, like, it has a lot of really great things to say, but I think sometimes it kind of just stews on, like, his feelings about it. Like, he has this grudge with the writer, and rightfully so. It was a really fucked up thing that happened. But at the same time, they almost spend way too much time on just that while also trying to explore these really thought-provoking things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, I still enjoyed it very much. I would definitely recommend it, you know? You know, it's funny. Like, I listened to
0: a podcast earlier today. They did, like, a bunch of um, shows on Just the Nightmare and Elm Street series. I think it's called mm-hmm. An Elm Street Nightmare. And overall, it's a really good listen. Um, nice. They're, like, less than an hour each. It's a fun listen. Um, but I remember they both said, like, the Elm Street 2 is the movie that fans don't really like. um And it's like considered it. by many as the worst of the bunch. And I'm like, I don't think that I, it's in my top three. Like I have it at a yeah. solid Hell
1: number yeah. three.
0: Um, and I don't feel like people really feel that way about that one. I think people like say Freddie's dead or the dream child is usually the ones that are at the bottom of the list. For me, it's probably the, well, it's not probably, it's the remake, and then probably New Nightmare is near the bottom of my list, um, which I know I'm in the minority there. Like, I don't know, I'm just not a huge fan of that one. Um,
1: I love it, too. Yeah. So love it, love I it. I
0: love part two. So I can't wait to get to the Nightmare and Elm Street series. I love those movies. No, those are going to be man. like three hour. Those are going to be like three hours. Yeah. So, all right. Last question from our friend Dirk Marshall at VHS Podcast. That's at VHUS underscore podcast. Um, he's guested with us recently for, he was on our Critters 2 episode. Uh, he owns a phenomenal hot, um, hot sauce company called Mar- it's Marshall Haupt, H A U T E. They do deliver. I can't wait to get the samples he was going to send me. I'm sure they'll arrive one day. Um, But he's a friend of the show. He wants to know when will you tackle the Prophecy franchise?
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's a franchise. No one knows it. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, to be honest, I've only seen two of those movies, the first one, which I enjoyed, and the one with Danzig, which I've only mm-hmm. watched once, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I feel like maybe that was one time too many. Uh, I, so I don't, I'm not familiar with it. Like, the first one, was, it was okay. I've uh, seen part one, I think, but I
0: couldn't, I don't remember a thing about it. Um. You haven't seen the one with Danzig, where he's like a evil I angel? Definitely <laughs> have not seen the one with Danzig, so... All right. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we'll get to it. Honestly, don't know if we'll get to it this year um, because I know there's a lot of things that we want to get to. I'm sure we'll eventually get to that movie series, but I can tell you what we do have coming up. We have the three creep show movies, are going to be the next series we do. And I think that when we talk about Creep Show 3, we're going to pepper in a fair amount of talk about Creep Show, the television series, as well. Um, yeah. because I just don't think there's a lot of meat on the Creep Show 3 bone to go over overall. I mean, I think that's kind of regarded as just not just a bad movie, but like an atrocious movie. So yeah, yeah, it, I it, think it is. It is. And as much as creep show the series is a bit of a mixed bag. Like, I really wish they would have done more with the actual Creepmaster and maybe tied everything in together. It does have some very strong um, episodes to it. So I think we'll add at least a little bit of discussion about that. From there, we're going to do the Alien series. We're going to do the original four Alien films. And then we're going to do Prometheus and Covenant. And we're going to save Alien versus Predator and Alien versus Predator
1: Requiem for when we get to the Predator series. See, that's going to be be an interesting Mm -hmm. series because, you know, usually when we do this, there's at least a couple that, like, you know, we're not fans of. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel, but there is only one movie in the entire Aliens franchise that I'm not a fan of. I love every single movie. Resurrection Resurrection. is the only one I do not like. And I do. I I love. I'm in the minority, but I like Prometheus and Covenant a lot. Prometheus
0: is gorgeous. Prometheus is one of those movies where every single frame that is shown on screen, you could take a still shot of it and then just frame it and hang it on your wall. Um, and I love that it went with these beautiful, ambitious ideas. I have no beef with Prometheus. And then um, Covenant is also like strong and, again, very dark finish to that movie. And what's funny about Covenant is, is they went in the opposite direction and I thought they had too much of the xenomorph in it. Like I found the xenomorph to be the least interesting thing about that particular movie.
1: Yeah. So, you know, what's funny like, is we should also, I mean, we're not going to obviously, cause this is a joke, but we mm-hmm. should also throw life into that mix because I think life is more oh, of an great. alien movie than even covenant was. That could be our one-off like our palate cleanser.
0: Our palate cleanser. Yeah. When we get to it. Um, my daughter want we. My daughter and I on Friday we started to record a commentary for the fog, and we were recording uh-huh. it in a web browser. Um, I don't know why we were doing it that way, but we were, and it crashed midway through the recording. But she uh-huh. still wants to do a commentary, and she's trying to convince me to do Pet Cemetery. Um, Which I'm not against, but I don't know if it's like streaming on Netflix or Hulu or Shudder. And I wanna do it so that like you don't have to pay for it if you want to watch along. So we'll see what we do. We might come up with like a backup. I think we'll pick something on Shudder. Her only rule was it was a movie that couldn't have sequels. I just won't tell her about Pet Cemetery Two. (laughs) Um if <laughs> we end up going that route because she's nine and she doesn't really know how to use Google yet that well. So um we'll pick something. I I wanted to do cooties because I think Lee Wannell's Cooties is so fucking great and has such an awesome premise, and she would have a lot of fun with it. Um mm. but it wasn't it was streaming for a while on either Netflix or Hulu, but it's not, but that'll be a bonus show. And then we have some other, we'll do Elm Street by this summer, I think. And um, I know Brian wanted to do Final Destination. So that's what we have kind of coming up. And I think Jerry will have like in between that, Jerry will have a couple of things. What are you kind of jonesing to do right now? Like you had Critters as your last pick. What series are you jonesing to do that has like 28 parts to it and only two of them are any good?
1: <laughs> I think the only big series, like as far as big series, long ones mm-hmm. that I would love to do would either be the Nightmare or the Texas Chainsaw mm-hmm. movies. But as far as far as smaller ones, I would love to do the Joyride or Wrong Turn movies. Like, yes, it would definitely I love be. I love very few movies as much as I love Joyride 3. And like I have no idea why I love that movie so much. But it, it's, it's such a fun throwback to 80s slashers. There's one-liners mm-hmm. aplenty, the gore is over the top. Like, it's such a fun movie. And also, I just saw this comment on, on the podcast thing. Uh, Running Through the Woods said his favorite horror film or favorite slasher film, one of them, is Happy Birthday to Me. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I love that movie so mm-hmm. much. So I just wanted to say that as well.
0: I think I've seen it once. I have it on DVD, and I need to rewatch it. Oh, I think like what's put me off on rewatching is it's like almost two hours long, um, but I remember really enjoying it. And I remember being like really like shocked by the ending of it too. So that's mm. definitely due for a rewatch. He's also said we need to do Hellraiser, um, and again oh, like that's definitely a series we'll get to. Definitely looking forward to doing Hellraiser one, two, three. And definitely not getting looking forward to doing
1: any of the other ones. So Hellraiser 4 through 20.
0: Yeah, Hellraiser. You know, the Amityville Horror is another series where there's like 39 parts to it, but not all of them are like official sequels. So that's going to be another interesting one. We're going to have to finagle a little bit. All right. Oh, yeah. I've, you know what? This went really well. We actually had a pretty yeah, good amount yeah. of listeners coming in. For one of the, they are not all gold running through the woods. He's saying every one of those sequels is gold. This is not true. This is. I am about to do a mental health check right now on running through the woods to make sure he's okay. Because um, that's not okay. This is what we could call fake news. All right, Jerry.
1: Any final words before we uh, sign off here? uh be safe everyone stay home please i cannot Wash express that enough yeah. uh you know uh, they're they're it's real you know yeah. the, no matter how you feel about it it's real but uh you know i and i hate to be like super cheesy but you know we're all in this together so please stay safe yep. please stay inside if you can if you can uh but you know what like like we always say, if you want to talk movies or anything, please tweet us, anything. We try to respond to every single person, and you know it, it makes our days a little happier, too. So
0: pod and Pendulum is the official Twitter account. Jerry is at uh, at Jerry is just okay, and I am at Mike underscore Sklunian. So we do love to re- talk and chat with all of our listeners. We appreciate all the positive feedback, uh, all the negative feedback and go get stuffed as far as I'm concerned. So we're pretty great. I'm nuts. not quitting. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Jerry's not quitting. Um, so I would say, you know, but thanks very much. We actually had a, you know, like, Jesus so over, you know, for, we promoted this about 10 minutes before we went on, and we had a bunch of people jump on, so we really appreciate that. I think we need to do, like, these monthly mailbags because they were a lot of fun to do overall, yeah. and I think as we get better at running them, we'll get people to actually, we can dial people into the show and have them on live and we can have like our own little, our own little invite, maybe an advice maybe in a device show here. I don't know. I'll figure it out. So, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So look out uh, later this week, we'll be posting our creep show episode. I think we're going to shoot to record that midweek and then post it right away. Uh, for creep show one, we are in the process of casting our next, <gasps> Please check out the audio quality isn't. Not, I know it's not the best, but it was a really fun read. Our Maximum King, um, I thought that was probably one of the most fun things I had done uh, in a yeah. really long time that didn't involve touching boobs. Um, so I would definitely recommend you listen to that. We'll have a commentary episode up. Um, and Jerry, tell people about your album
1: before we go. Promote uh, sure, sure. Uh, I released an album this week. Uh, it's on Bandcamp. Uh, you could get you could get mm-hmm. it by uh, typing in Rainy Days for Ghosts mm-hmm. Basically, I had an idea to do an instrumental album uh, because that's the kind of stuff that I like doing. Uh, and I had this idea to make a fictional radio show where basically. There'd be a radio host at the beginning, in the middle, and maybe a couple times, and at the end, kind of tying it together. But basically, you'd hear songs in between. And the whole theme was this radio host would have a show that plays music just for late night drives. So I had this idea to do an album under the title of "Rainy Days for Ghosts," and it's it's basically an album just to drive through Los Angeles in your mind, or use it for writing soundtrack, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Very synth heavy kind of things. Uh, Zach Schillwalter, who is one of my best friends, he played the announcer on it. He did a great job, and we're I'm already halfway through the second volume, which is going to be a lot more ambitious. Uh, Zach's going to return as the host, but basically the whole story is going to be. Uh, a woman on her home way, uh, her way home from work is going to be stalked by a serial killer in a car, mm-hmm. uh, and basically she's going to call into the to the radio show from the first album, and in between songs it's going to have back and forth this whole story of him trying to save her, all while synth heavy music plays in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, so working on that, uh, yeah, check out the album. Like I said, rainy days for dot Bandcamp. Com if you like it. Uh, yeah, that it's out. Uh, I'm so happy that people took time out of their day to, to buy it, which is crazy because, I mean, we're all getting hit financially here. Mm-hmm. So I understand. I mean, you know, stream it. Do whatever you want. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, that's basically what I've been doing. Awesome, man. What track did Beyoncé guest on? Beyoncé? Uh, she <laughs> – <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I was so confused for a second. Uh, no, no, Beyonce. Uh, you know there is a little Cardi B. No, I'm just joking. There we go. Uh, oh god. But yeah, yeah. There, there. It All is.
0: right, everyone, stay home. Boston has just issued a curfew from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. every day. Um, wow. So yeah, it's getting in effect till May 4th. Um, so everybody, stay home. Be safe, wash your hands, hug your loved ones, and have a great night, everybody.